and welcome to the Aussie Pastor Live, right here on Faith FM. Good afternoon, my name's Lloyd Grolleman, I'm the Aussie Pastor coming to you from North West Sydney and I'd like to give you a great big warm welcome to the show today, Auntie. Yeah, me too, welcome listeners, it's great to have you on board. He's our producer, our director, our sound engineer. He does everything technical in here, plus he has to do a bit of work uh, DJing. You're a busy boy, aren't you, when it comes to this program? Only when it's live. Do you enjoy it? <laughs> Which is all the time. Yeah. Do you enjoy it? I love it. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I'm going to do something different today. What's that? I'm going to do this day in history. Okay. June 7. What happened in history? You might be surprised. In 1929, Vatican City became an independent state. That means where the Pope lives in Rome became an independent country, an independent nation. It's mm. the, the Vatican, which was Catholic. Smack in the middle of Italy. Yeah, they're the only church in the world that is also a nation. A country. Yeah, mm. incredible. incredible. Mm. Right smack in the middle of Rome, in the middle of Italy. I've been there. Same. Yeah, enjoyed it too. Loved it. Uh, what about this one? June 7, 1975, the first Cricket World Cup begins. Now we're talking. Hey, do you know who won that? Aussies. No. Oh. Back in 1975, I was 11. We weren't, you were 10. We weren't real good cricket. Oh, we were right, but nothing to go home about. West Indies. Uh. I think since then, though, we've won a whole heap of them. Oh, good. They've won very few. What about this one? June 7, 1981, Israel destroys Iraq's nuclear reactor. Do you remember that? No, I don't. Yeah, Saddam Hussein was building a nuclear reactor. Israel didn't like it. They have a covert mission in their uh, warplanes, wow. in their fighter jets, bombers, and they got into Iraq, bombed the thing into oblivion. That was the end of Iraq's nuclear program. They thought it might start World War Three. Wow. Yeah, I remember that. I was about 17, 18 back then. Mm. That happened. And, of course, June 7, 2022, the Aussie pastor Afternoon program live is on right now. <laughs> How's that? I think it actually is pretty much our 12-month, one-year anniversary. Around now, isn't it? Yeah. We've been 12 months on radio, Maybe. which is not bad for us because we're not a radio ministry. That's right. We're a television media, social media ministry, not That's a radio it. ministry. But we've enjoyed it. Absolutely. And I hope you're enjoying it. I'm glad you're with us today. So welcome, 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 welcome hunting. Welcome, welcome. We've got a, we've got a good program today. We've we got do. two very special visitors. The first one. Yes, Dr. Sven Oestring. Estring, actually. Oestring. Estring. They'll have to ask him. Yeah, he'll tell us. He's a very smart man. Yeah, what is Maths he? and science. He's a, he's a pastor. Yes. I also think he's a software engineer, but you think he's something else. I think he's, well, I know he's way up there with maths and science. Let's ask him what he is, as you said, yep. when he gets on board. Yep. He's going to talk to us about... Creation, not really today. Creation versus evolution, just creation. What happened in creation, and I think you're going to find that interesting. You know, we actually had Doctor Sven on a great debate we had with a bunch of atheists, where he pointed them in the direction of creation. Yeah, it was our side versus the atheists. That's right, and it looks like we're about to have a rematch. We won the first one. We won they so we, we won so massively that the atheists have been licking their wounds for quite some years since, and they have come to us and said, we want a rematch. Bring it on. We might even bring some of that to the uh, radio program. What do you reckon? I think so. Yeah, to the good. glory and to the honour of God. That's it. It's, it's not so much a competition. We do want no. to honour Jesus, but it is That's good it. to it's see the glory of God. The good guys win. We might even... Uh, Live 
Live. Yes. I don't know whether Faith FM... Yeah, well, Faith FM, can, of course they can do stuff live. Yeah, let's, live. Ta- let's take a radio get of a TV studio. Maybe you need to ask the boss of Faith FM and see what they say. Yeah, okay. I, I reckon that would be be really, really interesting. It will. Um, so, yeah, we've got Sven, and then we have... Yeah, your mate Wayne. Well, he's your mate too. True. Works in the media centre. Yeah, he's in charge of the Discovery Centre and also Hope Channel. Yeah, we work with him a lot, actually. Hope Channel's a satellite broadcast network, a Christian network, that you can get anywhere in Australia if you point a $50 satellite dish at it. You don't even bother for satellite dish, just go online. Yeah, watch online, it's easier. Australia. That's true. It's the easiest, easiest way to do it. Um, yeah, and he's going to be talking to us about prophecy. You might wonder why I'm all stuffed up in the nose, Hunt. <laughs> I know why you're stuffed up in the nose. <laughs> Same reason you are. Hunty decided to clean the studio <laughs> I, I this did a morning. a bit of spring cleaning oh, a few hours ago. <laughs> and there's dust and, oh, who knows what's in here. Just everywhere. Thank you for that, uh, Andrew Hunt. We appreciate that at the start of our... Oh, I locked myself around too. I've been sucking up Ventolin and... Oh, I'm all clogged up, but that's okay. It is. Uh, like we always do, I'd like to start for prayer. Hunty, uh, would you like to pray today? Yeah, happily. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come before you this afternoon to present our stories and messages to our listeners, Lord, I pray that you'll bless all of our listeners, Lord, and I pray that you'll bless the Aussie pastor as he presents you and your word. In your precious name, Jesus, I ask. Amen. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Hey, Hunter, you remember many, many years ago when we were growing up? Yep. We've actually known each other, I reckon, since about 80s. 17, 18. Yep, since the 80s. I reckon the first time I came across you would have been just as you got your licence. Yep. Hunty lived in Sydney and <laughs> I lived in Brisbane. It wasn't that I was going to Sydney. Hunty was coming up chasing <laughs> oh, our dear. girls in Brisbane. Oh, dear. And this is where I first came across him. I, I thought, oh. I don't like it. You've got where all my skeletons are buried. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, who's this try-hard dude from Sydney coming up here chasing our girls? Ah, <laughs> uh, he used to come up, wasn't a little mini miner back then. On my first trips to the camp, the big Christian camp in, in Queensland was in my panel van. Okay. And I bet you you were listening to this. Did you, what sort of, did you have a tape deck in your car or what? Yes, but I had a CD player. I had the very first CD player in about 1982 and my van was equipped with digital noise. Was that one of those ones that used to skip? When yes. they first put CD players into cars for you younger people, I don't know whether we've got many young people listening to us, but the CD, it used to drive me nuts. They would skip. If you got a bad one, it'd be skip, skip, skip as soon as you hit a bump. That's it. Well, I got a Walkman and I suspended it with bungee cords and it never skipped. Okay. Was that, a, that was a CD player? Yeah, CD Walkman I, in my car, but on bungee cords, rubber bands. I bet you were listening to this song. I was. All Evie, the time. Evie, yep. remember Evie? Oh, I listened from to a lot 80s. of her. Give them all to Jesus. Best Christian music ever. She has a pure voice. Yes. I think a pure heart. She's a beautiful young woman. Beautiful. I guess she's a, I haven't seen her lately. She's still singing? I don't know. But in the yeah. 80s, I listened to a lot of Evie. Yeah, me too. This right, is a good here song. It is. Give, Give them, them all, all to Jesus. Jesus. Are you tired of chasing pretty rainbows? Are you tired of spinning round and round? Wrap up all the shattered dreams of your life Shattered 
Oh, that's a pretty little song, Hunty. Loved it. I played that a billion times in the 80s. Yeah, and it's got good words too. Give them all to Jesus. Yes. One of the things I've learned when it comes to Jesus, if you're really going to follow him, if you want to be a believer, you have to give everything. That's it. You can't go halfway. I tried for many years to do the halfway thing with Jesus where I liked Jesus. I even loved him. I wanted to follow him. I was a believer, but I never wanted to give everything to him. And I think it's not until you get to a place where you can say, Jesus, here I am. Take everything, the good and the bad. I give you it all, my money, my farm. I give you my family. I give everything that's important to me. I give you all my weaknesses. When you can give everything to Jesus and you do it in prayer, then you see your relationship with him start to skyrocket. Correct. He loves that. He's he an does. all. He's an all in all. He's, he, he's a jump in all God. Or sometimes it seems almost nothing at all. All or nothing. Yeah, it seems to be that way. Hey, True. some news stories today. What you got? Uh, if I were to say to you, a guy was attacked by a three meter crocodile. I understand. You're, you're an Aussie. Yep. You've spent a fair bit of time up in the north. I have. In fact, you you went just a few years ago on a trip up the Cape. Yes, I've done many trips to the Cape, love the Cape. Now listen, in this last trip when you went to the Cape, were you worried about crocodiles? Yes, I was worried about crocodiles because... Now remember, people from Northern Australia... They're are very here, stealthy. So you better be careful they're very that, stealthy. that they don't go, oh, here's another they southerner. They can lie very another still. Another southerner who hasn't got a clue. They can lie very still in the banks for a very long time. What sort of crocodiles in Australia attack people? Well... There's two types, isn't there? Freshwater and saltwater. There's Johnson's and there's uh, saltwater crocs. So which ones would you rather meet? If you're going to go swimming, which one do you want to swim with? I'd, uh, the Johnson crocs probably would leave you alone. You don't, They don't worry you? The well, fresh- they're a lot smaller. Would you, would you swim in a creek with a freshwater? I have swum in a creek no with way. Johnson crocs. Yes. Could you see it? And, I, and I've looked. If you take the trip from Cairns to the Cape and you get the old telegraph track, you do cross a few creeks. And they're, John, they're, they're freshwater or they're the, estuarine? Estuarine or saltwater. By the way, which ones are the most dangerous, the estuarine? The big, the big salties. The big salties. Yes. So you don't swim with them? No, heck no. They'll attack. They'll attack. But the freshwaters don't really attack? Or not uh, a lot? Well, I'm not an expert on this, but I, I've been in the water with freshwaters and they've not bothered me. Well, this dude is in um, Adele's Grove, 300 kilometres, kilometres northwest of Mount 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 Isa. Yep. I'll get that out. Yep. A few weeks ago, and he goes for a swim. Have you been there to Adele's Gorge? I think so. Actually, it's Adele's Grove, sorry. You been there? I think so. I think so, filming up there, and I I think it's it's, it's supposed to be pretty nice for swimming. He gets attacked by a three-metre crocodile. But you know what sort of crocodile it was? What sort of? A freshwater. So it's a Johnson. That's the second attack from a freshwater crocodile I've heard of in the last couple of weeks. Another okay. one up happened up in the Ord River in, in Western Australia. So here you've got these freshwater crocodiles. He's a pretty big one. And three, three metres. metres. That's a ton, isn't it? Nearly. They had to rip the thing's jaws up. He did escape, possibly because it was a, a freshwater. Maybe they don't have as much uh, testosterone yeah. okay. in them. As, uh, I don't know. But he did escape. But it's interesting to me that... that Whereas in the past, we never worried about the freshwater crocodiles mm. as much. And you already said you've swum with them. Mm. Did you see them when you were swimming? Well, once I saw them, I got out. But yes. Oh, so, so okay. <laughs> it wasn't a deliberate thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't like crocodiles. And th- this guy escapes. But, mm. man, it's the last thing you want to have to face. Another one in the news I picked up, which was a bit of a worry, an asteroid a few weeks ago headed to Earth, and it was a, a near-miss hunty. Do you know what a near miss is? 
Tell me what a near miss is. Missed us by about four million kilometres. Okay. <laughs> but apparently that's a near miss. Yes. Now, this asteroid asteroid was about the size of a city bus. Apparently, if it had hit Earth, yep. it would have caused havoc. Would have been like multiple nuclear bombs going off. Wow. There would have been earthquakes. There would have been a, a huge dust storm. If it had landed into the sea, massive tidal waves, but it missed us. But mm. NASA is worried about... Um, about these asteroids and one coming one day to hit us. And so they're trying to develop technology, rocket technology, so that mm. if there is an asteroid headed toward yep. Earth, they can hit it with a rocket. Give it a bump off course. Bump it off horse, course mm. or, or completely destroy it. Even better. <sighs> Man, what, wow, a, that's what a, a troubled world we live in. Yes. And then there's this story about these two two tradies who found they were digging up in the ground in the house they were restoring and they found $2.1 million. Well, they in took cash. It in cash. Yes. So they took it to the police. God bless them. I heard about this. Would you have taken it to police? Oh, begrudgingly. <laughs> yeah, I would have too. I, would have, I think I would have. I wonder if I would have got it all there. <laughs> I think, knowing you, you would have. You're as honest as the day's long. Well, there's this thing in Australia, if you find cash like that, and it's not taken mm. up by someone, mm. it's called finders keepers. Yeah, we got a finders keepers law. So the tradies got to keep it, except the guy who was the boss of the tradies, who was the developer, said that was my land, they were working for me, I'm going to keep it. Yes. And then another guy comes from outside and says, well, my uncle used to live there, and that was his money that he buried in the ground. I should keep it. His uncle had passed on and gone. He was the only living relative left. Yes. And so you had this three-way battle on who's going to keep the money. That's right. So it went to court. Yep. It was just concluded the other day. You know who won? Who won? Who do you think would win? The the guy who came and said my it was my uncle's money, the developer who owned the land, and he was the one who was doing the building works, or the tradies who just come on, they're subcontractors. All right. Well, my best guess is if the uncle can prove the, the providence of the money, it should be his. So that's what you would have done if that, you were the... Well, that's my best guess, yes. Okay. Well, it actually went to all three of them. Oh, wow. Yeah, an out-of-court settlement. Uh, but 700,000 each. Yeah, but they were fighting really, really hard to get the money. I mean, once money gets into the scenario, you know, in the 30-odd years I've been a pastor and I've been dealing with people, I've seen people who you think are good people, sometimes even calling themselves Christian, and money gets into the scenario, mm. especially when someone dies and World War Three breaks out. <laughs> yep. I mean, it's it's pretty serious when money gets in. I think the Bible says uh, pretty hard for a rich man or someone who loves money to get into the kingdom. Mm. It can get a hold of you, can't it? The Absolutely love of can. money. Yep. I suppose we've never had much. The more money you have, the less you need God. You can say it the other way too, couldn't you? The more money you have, the more you need God. That's more correct. I've never had a lot. Oh, look, I did all right when I was young, when I when I was a builder, but I've never ever other than that had a lot of money. But they say that when you've got a lot of money, it's strangely unsatisfying. Mm. But it would be nice when you fly overseas to go business class. Elon Listening has got a couple of spare million. I'm happy to be a guinea pig and test that theory for you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and then there's this good news story. This is a good news story. You know, here in Australia, we can't get people to pick fruit. It's right. So they're bringing over the Fijians. Yes. Fijians are famous for a lot of things. I used to live in Fiji for yeah. a while. I worked there a few times. A place called Tamavua. In fact, when I was living there, my dad was a pastor. I wasn't. I was building. I was building a youth camp uh, at a place called Doomba. Have you ever been down there at Pacific Harbour? Yeah, I've been down there. Yep. Yeah, just beautiful. Beautiful. Beautiful, man. I was in paradise. Crystal clear water, white sandy beaches. I think while I was over there, you and me, one of the first times I really met up with you, 
my dad was doing some video work with the Tongan Church, and you came over to do it. Yeah, I was working with your dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that good was times, like, good times. Yeah, yeah it was. Yeah. Well, the Fijians are famous for a lot of things. Their food. Uh, they're happy. They're happy people. Yep, joyful people to be yep. around. They're also famous for rugby. Bula. So these guys go to South Australia, a whole heap of Fijians to pick fruit. Yep. They join a rugby team. That rugby team went from being one of the worst rugby teams in the competition to the very best. In fact, so good they had to put two teams out, pretty much full of feet. <laughs> well, that's because the Fijians are world legends at footy. But they love rugby. You know, there's two things the Fijians love. They love rugby. Yep. You know what the other one is? What's that? God. Nice. And, and, and I, I kind of like this. I'm, I'm a bit of a rugby. I used to play rugby, rugby union and rugby league. Um, I played more league than union, but I, I grew up in New Zealand, so I started union. And I hear these boys after they um, – I mean, I love playing with guys like this. After the match, they gather around and they start singing hymns to God. They're having an impact on their community for God. And this – this you can actually hear them. This is, yep. this is real uh, – this is real singing of this team. This is the football team singing it after a match. Have a listen to it. Yeah. Wow. How good is that? Yes. I've, I've actually heard this clip before. At the end of this clip, they actually break into prayer. I know. And what's happening is they're playing rugby, but they're also praising God and having a real impact for Jesus on their local community. For so sure. I thought that was a great good news story yes. to end on. So you know what we've well, these stories haven't been so bad today. But if you if you get caught in the jaws of a crocodile, mm. pray to God. That's it. If you come into a whole lot of money, be generous. Yep. Is that 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 would be fair, wouldn't it? Be fair. Be generous. Uh yep. And if an asteroid's headed toward Earth, make yourself right. <laughs> make yourself Look right up with to God. to the east and pray because we know who comes from the east. That's right, Jesus. Jesus Christ, and he's coming. Surely, when we look at the signs, when we look at the news, surely it's not far away. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. This guy's your boy, Hunty. Oh, one of my favourite. In fact, probably one of the reasons that I remained a Christian through my late teens and early 20s was because I feasted and dined on the music of Keith Green. He is a really spiritual man. Totally. He, he talks a little bit before he sings this song, Hunty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we know he's... It's a live recording, this one. Yeah, he, he is no longer with us, mm. with his family one day. So tragic. He lived in a fairly nice place out in the country, had an, a little airport there and yep. went up for a ride in an aeroplane with his family and had two or three kids in with him and the pilot and unfortunately the plane crashed. Mm. And that was the end of Keith Green, at least half his family and and his ministry. But his ministry lives on in these beautiful songs. Did you know that if you went to a Keith Green concert, at the end of the concert he'd always sell his records? But he always said... If you can afford them, pay for them. If you can't, just take them for free. I did know that. Do you know why I knew that? How's that? Because you already told me. (laughs) Do you know when you told me? (laughs) When's that? The last time we played Keith Green on the radio. Oh, don't have to apologise to our (laughs) listeners. (laughs) I'm a broken record. Well, we're in North, we're we're in Northwest, Southwest, West Sydney now, right down that corridor. So these are brand new listeners. Brand new listeners. They probably haven't heard it. More than appropriate to tell that story. Oh, good. Beautiful song. It is. Oh, Lord. You're beautiful. He wrote this song, Hunty, 
at two o'clock in the morning. You're going to hear that in a minute. Okay. Great song. Here we go. On Monday night this week, about midnight, I wrote a letter to the Lord. I didn't know where to mail it, so I put it in my Bible. And I asked him, Lord, you got to do something about my heart. You know, a lot of time's gone by since I met you. And it's starting to harden up. You know, it's just kind of natural. I want to have baby skin, Lord. I want to have skin like a baby on my heart. It's starting to get old and, and wrinkled and callous. It's not because anything I'm doing. It's because of a lot of things I'm not doing. And I stayed up till about two in the morning writing this song. Fueled with holy 
Dr. Sven Estring to our program today. Welcome, Sven. Really good to be with you, Lloyd. Uh, it's fantastic to, to be conversing on these really important topics. It is very important. Now, um, doctor, are you a medical doctor or how does that work? No, I'm, I'm not. I actually did a PhD in computer networking in Christchurch in New Zealand. So, and yeah, then, then went on to do further research in optical networks and mobile ad hoc networks. So it's, it's really a, an applied area of science, a lot of maths, a lot of, a uh, lot of systems kind of thinking, also creating. It's, you know, designing things, which I guess is part of my, my area of interest as well. Now you, you actually have a, a deep interest in science, uh, of all types. That's correct, isn't it? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, science has provided so many things for us as, as human beings. We, we've benefited so, so much, you know, whether it's the, the laptop in front of you or, you know, the radio we're listening to, the, the planes we fly and the Fitbits we wear. But, um, the reality is that science has real, um, it's, it's connected with, not only how do things work, but where did things come from as well? And I guess that's that's one of my real um, areas of interest. That's what I want to talk to you today about, actually, mm. is not just where do things come from. I want to actually go right back to the beginning of the earth. Well, let me just start by asking you straight out, does the Bible say anything about beginnings and creation? Yes, it definitely does, Lloyd. The fact is this is the Bible has been described as the history of God's love for people. But the, th- the, the question is, well, what is our relationship with God? You know, if he loves us, well, why does he love us? Where, where did that relationship start? And the fact is this, is that the Bible tells us that God is our creator. He's the person that, that made us and the world around us. So certainly, because of that reality, it goes all the way back to the beginning and to creation itself. Now, I know we're talking to Aussies out here, uh, Australians, and I know that the idea that God created the world is, for many, a myth, fantasy, fiction. But if you're listening to our program now, I want you just to come for 
just a, a short journey with Dr. Sven and myself as we look at what the Bible actually does say about the creation of the world. Well, the first thing we've established, Sven, is that God says he made the world. The second thing is, well, according to the Bible, so we're looking at the Bible narrative here, how long does it take for God to make the world, to make the earth? Well, well, yeah, according to the Bible, it's a very simple answer, and that is God created this world, this earth, in six days. That, that's yeah, are you, the now, are you answer talk, to it. Are you talking six literal 24-hour solar days? Yes. Well, well, that's that's what the Bible teaches. That That's what, if you dive into the Bible itself, you find very good evidence that the Bible is talking about literal days. And in fact, if you go to a number of the the Old Testament scholars, so scholars that study the Bible, yeah, yeah, they will say, yes, that is what the Bible teaches. Even if they may disagree with that statement, they'll say, no, that is what the Bible actually taught okay, and teaches so, today. So they might not, okay, I get you. So they, they might not agree that it actually did happen in six days, but they acknowledge that that's what the Bible says. That's right, yes. Now, you're a scientist, correct? Uh, that, well, I have a background in, in what we'd call applied science or, you know, engineering design. And I think that's very important, Lloyd, because, yeah. um, engineering is about creating things, designing things. So this is where it really does come into my space, if I put it that way. So then let me ask you as an engineer, as software, software scientist, a creator yourself, is it reasonable narrative? Is this six day creation? Is it a reasonable narrative for a scientist or is it just way out there and beyond a scientist to ever accept it is very very reasonable lloyd and the reason why it's reasonable is because if you acknowledge the possibility that god exists and that he has all power he's he has unlimited power then certainly god has the the capacity the ability to create in six literal days so the, the, the question is not, not whether it's reasonable, but whether you actually accept the existence of God. And that's a whole other topic in and of it itself. Is. But Perhaps certainly we talk about that one day, actually. Yeah, definitely. But if you are a believing scientist, if you're a scientist who believes in God, that, that he exists, then it's, it's perfectly reasonable. It's perfectly logical. And actual fact, Lloyd, it makes more sense. Okay, okay. Well, look, let, let's go to the creation. Let's look at the six days. And I'll just say very quickly for our listeners, because there could be some out there who don't know what God did on each day. The first day, he makes light. The second day, he makes the sky. The third day, he makes land, sea, plants, and trees. The fourth day, the sun, moon, and stars. The fifth day, sea creatures and birds. And the sixth day, land, animals, and humans. Now, as a scientist, and you look at the order of creation to you, does the order of creation make sense? It, it does, Lloyd. It really does. Because what you find is that God is actually creating the environment for us then to, to fill it with, with the, the plants, the animals and the human beings. And so, so you're know, trying to put the, he puts the foundation and builds the house before he puts someone in it. Is that what you're saying? That, that, that's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. So you, so you see there's, there's a, there's an order. There's a plan that occurs here. Um, that by the end of the plan, you have human beings actually coming into the home that God has designed for them. And of course, they, they celebrate this, this amazing design. So, so it does make a lot of sense. Okay. There are some details which are a little bit more challenging, but it does make sense overall. Okay. Um, 
let's let me go a bit further with you on that if it's okay yeah, um, definitely let's dive into it why was the sun it, it seems to me that light is very important if you were creating the earth why was the sun made on the fourth day and yet the bible says light was made on the first day so my question is why make the sun on the fourth day and not the first and where did the light come from for those first three days before god made the sun well, here we come to a very what we call theological point, Lloyd, which I'd, I'd like to, to really draw out. And, and that is that God wanted to show us that he has the power to create light and he doesn't need the sun to do it. Okay. That, I'm because, interested. you know, the fact is this, Lloyd, if you go back in history and even today, um, people look at out into this space and they will go like, wow, that is an incredible object in the sky. You know, um, the ancients knew that it was powerful. It created energy. They even considered that life itself came from the sun yeah. in a way. Well, they worshipped um, the sun. They worshipped the sun. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. And so God in his wisdom and in his foresight actually saw no I need to demonstrate in a very powerful way that I can create light, but I'm not dependent on the sun. And that's what we would call a, a theological reason for doing that. Now, there, there can be other um, uh, physical reasons why he would have done that as well. And that is because, of course, you know, on the first day, the, the whole planet, um, you know, was, was covered in water, according to the Bible, and it didn't have any atmosphere. So, so there was no, um, there was no clouds. There was no gas going around the, the planet. Now, we're, according to science, our atmosphere and the magnetic fields around the earth actually protects the earth. Yeah. So, so that we don't get bombarded with uh-huh. the, the solar flares and solar winds. So now, you have if, to create that atmosphere first. Correct. Yes. He has to create so if, that protective layer before he can create the sun. Correct. Correct. Ah. Because if, if God created the sun on the first day to, to then create the next six days, um, of creation, but the, the earth was, was just covered with water. What of course would have happened is that very, very quickly, a lot of that water would have simply being blown away, if you could put it that way, or boiled away. So well, what God was yeah, actually yeah, doing yeah. here is creating it in a way where he could protect the earth, but then designate the, the responsibility for creating light, for generating light to the sun, which we see in the sky. So, I got sky. it. So, got so it. both you have both the theological and the scientific reason for doing this. Yeah, I got it. So, so um, that makes sense. I mean, he makes... Uh, land, sea, plants, and trees on the third day, and and if uh, if he hadn't had the atmosphere created and everything, um, yeah, I got it, I got it. Okay, let's move on. I I, I want to ask you a couple of other questions about this. If the sun wasn't there until the fourth day, how was day and night determined? Then where was the light coming from? What you know, we we have the sun as well. So what what was actually happening there? Well, that goes back to my earlier point, Lloyd. That that often we we attribute a lot to the sun. We we yep. you know the ancients worship the sun. We don't worship the sun today. We might go down to the beach and you know have a good 
yep. um, sunbathe and, and get tanned. But we don't worship the sun. But we do, what we do do is we, we say, well, we need the sun to create days. Well, the fact is, Lord, you don't. In, in, the, the, the day is actually caused by the, the earth, um, revolving, turning on its axis. One turn of the axis, one turn of the earth makes one day. Now, the other aspect, of course, is that you need a, a, a light source, which would create both night and day. That's what I'm interested the, in. That's what I'm interested yeah. in. But the, the question is this, is the sun the only source of light? Well, we know it's not. We actually know. Yeah, exactly. You have, you know, fluorescent, um, you know, tubes that you can, um, you know, snap and you, you've got light. Yeah. Um, you, you've got solar um, lights and all that kind of thing. There's a whole range of different lights that you can use. So where, so do, you, where all, do you think the light came from? Well, the Bible says that God created light on the first day. Now, what exactly was that light? The Bible doesn't say, but God can certainly create that light. Now, some people have said, well, they, they, they think it might be the glory of God on that first day. I, I disagree with that okay. concept, but what I would say is that God can create another source of light yeah. and then, um, then the sun. So, so it's exactly like, for example, um, Lloyd, I come into, to my house. And my house is dark. So I pick up my iPhone. I switch on the light on my phone. I, I then walk around at my dark um, living room. I find the light switch. I turn on the light switch. I don't need my phone anymore. It's exactly like that, Lloyd. Oh, yeah, I got it. I got it. Okay. <laughs> what about the stars? God creates the stars. Uh, and we, yet we know the light from the stars can sometimes take years, hundreds of years, maybe thousands. Yeah. Billions of years, yes, yeah. yes. So what's going on there? Yeah. Um, Are you telling me the Bible says God created the stars when he made the earth? So I'm looking up into the sky at night, and yet the light from those stars apparently left before God made them, if you look at this version of creation. Or am I getting that wrong? How do you explain that? Okay, well, first thing, Lloyd, is that um, this concept of what we call light years. So, so we, um, stars are billions of light years away from us, correct? Yeah. Light years is actually a, a physical distance from us. That's how far the light, uh, the, the stars away from us. It, it doesn't actually tell us time, first of all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the question is, how long did it take that light to get here? Now, here, let me give you another, Inside Lloyd, which I think is really interesting. You know, the, the big alternative for the creation account is, of course, the Big Bang Theory, yeah. which I'm sure you've heard about. It's yeah, not yeah. just an episode on TV. Yeah. It's actually a scientific theory. And, and so people will look at creation. They go like, ah, oh, you know, we should reject that because the light from the stars couldn't get here in time. But we should accept the Big Bang Theory because it's scientific and all the cosmo- um, cosmologists have I've accepted and things like that. Well, I want to get, give you a, a, a real insight. I want to give you, um, give you a secret or let you into a secret. The Big Bang Theory has exactly the same problem as does the, the creation in terms of how long it took the, the light from the stars to get here. And the reason for that is simple because the Big Bang Theory says that the whole universe was created 13.8 billion years ago, okay? So just lock that into your mind. So 14 billion years ago. 
However, the entire observable universe is about 93 billion light years across. So, so uh, we're looking at stars according to the Big Bang theory, which are, um, you know, at least 45, 46 billion light years away. However, the Big Bang theory says the universe only was created 13, 14 billion uh, years ago. Oh, there's a problem so for them too. It's exactly the same problem. And so what scientists have um, hypothesized and suggested the two things, they said that the universe has inflated, it's called an inflationary period, mm-hmm. or that the light has, um, there's a variable speed to light, that the, the speed of light is not locked in at a particular number. Now, here's the point, Lloyd. If those scientific solutions work for the Big Bang Theory, I can take those exact same solutions and use them for creation and they'll solve the problem as well. So, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not locked into one, but you know, inflationary period or variable speed of light, if it works for the big bang, works for creation, problem solved. Can we go even more simple than that? Can I ask you you a question? And you can, so I'm not a scientist, but is it possible to say, well, God just created the stars. And when he created the stars, he created them with the light to the earth, the same way as he created mature trees that had rings that said they were hundreds, maybe thousands of years old, and yet they are one day old. Is that possible? He, he certainly could do that. He could certainly could do that. I guess the um, the challenge there is that people m- would possibly say that it might look a bit deceptive on God's part, but certainly God could do that. But is it, deceptive, be, is it deceptive for God to to plant a to make a tree, a mature tree with all the rings in it, which I'm guessing it's, it had? Is that deceptive? No, no, it wouldn't be because Lloyd, imagine that you have a real love for jeeps. Yeah, okay? I don't. So, I actually don't. Hunty that's does. That's a very okay. nice well, thing to have a love for. Spin. Yeah, I, no, totally I don't agree have with a love for jeeps. Um, well, I'm, I'm going to go with Lloyd's, uh, Lloyd's <laughs> passions here, but, but how old is, sorry, uh, and Hunty's uh, passion here. How old is Hunty's Jeep? Does, does Andrew still have a Jeep? Yeah, he does. And it, it's absolutely, a, it, it's a fairly new one, but it, go, it, it looks like it's, it's 2014. It looks about a hundred years old. <laughs> 2014. Okay. Yeah. So imagine that, that Hunty decides that he, he, he loves his 2014 Jeep, right? Yep. But, but he, he, his love goes further back than that. And so he would like, uh, sorry, I, my, my knowledge of Jeeps isn't good enough, but do, do, do Jeeps go back to the 1950s? Unfortunately, they do. They won the world. They won the war, mate. 1940s. Yeah. 30s, there you 40s. go. There uh, you go. <laughs> so, so imagine, imagine that Hunty has such a love for Jeeps that he wants his 2014 Jeep. But he, he also decides that he would love to have a, uh, the a, a replica of a, a 1950 Jeep in his um, garage, right? Well, he would. Now, no, um, he he would. But the, but the point is this: is let's say he doesn't just want to buy an old Jeep. He's actually going to create that Jeep in his garage, and he's going to lovingly make every single detail just like a 1950 Jeep. Now, my question for you is this. Is it deceptive for Hunty to actually do that? Or is it, does it simply show that he has the creativity to be able to create a replica 
of a 1950 Jeep. So that it's created, designed and engineered in 2022, but it looks like a 1950 Jeep. Love it. There's, there's your response. <laughs> That's what God can do. Okay, okay. I'm not going to argue that too far because you know what? I go through these issues myself, and I'm I, I've got them in my head, and I try to find solutions for them from a very non-scientific mind. And I get that doesn't work. I think your idea of of light and it, 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 it as I get it now, you can correct me. Light not being able to measure be measured consistently or something is that is that what you were saying? That probably worked okay. better. Let let, let me. Let me um, just kind of consolidate it, just bring it down to the heart of it. The point is this, is that scientists have come up with good scientific solutions for the starlight travel time problem for other um, models. Yep, yep. Those solutions work for creation as well. That's the simple response. I get you. I get you. And that works. It works. Hey, I'm, I'm, I actually want to get you back, Sven, to do another part to this because I haven't finished asking my creation creation stories and we're we're out of time. But um, can I just ask you one last question? Go for it, Lloyd. Why is the creation narrative so important to believers, to Christians? The creation narrative is important because it tells us where we we came from. Okay. You know, it's very important um, for people to know where they've come from. You know, orphans, um, once they, they find out, hey, you know, my adoptive parents are not my real parents, they yeah. go on this search. I want to find out where Almost I'm Almost for identity, from. isn't it? Identity, yes. And, and Lloyd, in this world in which we live, we have two dominant narratives, two dominant stories. Mm. Uh, one story tells us that we came from nothing. Yeah. That, that we evolved through random mutations. Uh, that, that it's survival of the fittest. Yep. And that we'll end up in a big freeze. We'll all become extinct. But there's another narrative, which is a true narrative, Lloyd, yeah, yeah. which is that we came from the loving hands of God. Yeah. And Lloyd, I'm going to go with that, uh, that story every time. Uh, and, and, you know, just like all of the other archaeological evidence for the Bible, uh, there's, there's solid ground for the biblical account of creation as well. Thank you, my friend. I love having you on board. You always stretch my mind a bit, to be honest. Yeah, mine too. <laughs> That's what happens when you've got a great mind and simple <laughs> minds. <laughs> God bless you, brother. Thank we'll you, get Sven. you back real soon. No problem. Thanks, Lloyd. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Always an interesting bloke, isn't he? Mm, that did my head in a bit. <laughs> That's because neither of you or I are real scientific. I don't have the IQ for that kind of stuff, I don't reckon. Oh, no, that's not true. You actually are very scientific and very technical, far more than me. Just so our listeners know a little more of our relationship. Yeah, but that's not that hard. Sometimes Hunty's just rambling away on some technical thing. Rambling. <laughs> He's really into it. And my mind's just off. I'm off sailing. <laughs> uh, but that was good, Sven. Yes, I always enjoy. You, we're, we're getting back in another week or two because we ran out of time. Mm. Um, there's some questions I still wanted to ask him, especially about the second part of the creation week we never got to. But, look, I always find that really interesting. This next song, 
just a little talk with Jesus by the Redeemed Quartet. This is a quartet coming out of the United States of America. They're singing good quality Christian music. This song, Auntie, just yep. a little talk with Jesus. Yep, I love I'm not it. sure about you. I grew up with it. Yeah, me too. I can't remember a time when this song yeah, wasn't in my this song's a ripper. In my head, it yeah. is. So let's listen to it and enjoy yep, it. Just enjoy a listeners. Talk. It's a ripper. Okay, Hunty, let's get into it. This is Ask the Aussie Pastor. Is it too late to get their questions in? Nope. Uh, we'd love Have to you hear got from room? you. Have you yeah, got room? it's always got room. Well, today it's getting a bit fine, but send us your questions. We'd love to have them for next time. And there's two ways you can do it. You can email them to us, and the email address is info at aussiepastor.com, or you can text them to us on 0488 
880-851. We'll take any question on any, any question, subject. That's it. Any time. And if I can't answer it and Hunty can't answer <laughs> can't it. Can't Google it. <laughs> then we'll take a break and come back the next week and have another go. That's right. Okay. All right. Away, Hunty. Ask the Aussie pastor. Is it necessary to read the Bible to be a Christian? Yes. It's going to be a short segment. <laughs> <laughs> Why is it necessary to read the Bible to be a Christian? Yes, 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 yes. Times a million. You must read the Bible if you want to be a Christian. What if you just accept that Jesus died for you and you're saved? You'll wander because the human heart intrinsically wanders from God. Okay. The reason you read the Bible is not to understand theology or doctrine or any of that. In John 17, 5, Jesus said to the, and I'm doing this from my memory, that's not yeah, bad, mm-hmm. is it, for an old man? Well, here we go. Jesus said to the Pharisees, you search the Scriptures because you think you're going to have eternal life of them. He said, what you're going to find in the Scripture is me. And that's what happens. When you open your Bible and you read it, Holy Spirit is there. He loves it when you open the Bible, third person of the Godhead. Yep. He's in your mind too, and he introduces you in Scripture to Jesus. The Bible's all about Jesus. If you want a relationship with Jesus, if you want to hear Jesus' voice, you've got to open your Bible and read. And I recommend to people, I'm fair to come on this, hunty. You hearing me? Yep. I recommend to people that they read in the morning and in the evening. Mm-hmm. Start off with five minutes in the morning and five minutes in the evening. If you don't know where to start off with, you can start off on Genesis. <clears throat> that's, the, that's the first book in the Bible. Or Exodus, that's the second book. These are good books. So you could, if you're feeling down, go to the book of Psalms. Yep. Or if you want to know about the story of Jesus, where do you go, hunty? To the Gospels at the start of the second what are the Gospels? half of the Bible, the New Testaments, or Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Yeah, they're the four books that talk about Jesus. Absolutely. If you want to do prophecy, go to Daniel and the Revelation. My favourite. Yeah. Um, if you want to know about the early church, read the book of Acts. Let me tell you why you want to know about prophecy. There is so much amazing information in the Bible specific to our generation. It's startling. It is. Prophecy is a wonderful thing. Yep. But above all these things, when you, if, if you read, well, no matter what book you're reading, you're going to encounter Jesus. Every time I open the Bible, I meet Jesus. In the Bible, as I read, I have a conversation with Jesus. In the Bible, as I read, I hear Jesus. In the Bible, as I read, I get convicted of my sin. In the Bible, as I read, I have Jesus sometimes come down and comfort me. Sometimes he disciplines me. Mm, Other times he just puts his arms around me and loves me. But it's all happening in the Bible. So if you want to be a Christian, if you want to be a believer, you've got to be in the Bible because that's where above all else. You meet Jesus in a lot of places. But above all else, that's where you're going to meet Jesus. And being a Christian, being a believer is all about you and Jesus together. Is that clear enough, Mm, Yeah, Great. All right, moving on. Now, this next question's a bit above my, my IQ pay grade. Here we go. Isn't the great ages of the antediluvians fairy tale stuff? What's an antediluvian? Uh, I think what the it's question, a three-part question too. Oh, so it's just the first part. Yeah, yeah. Isn't the great ages of the antediluvians fairy tale stuff? If it were true, then how is it that they live such long lives and ours are so comparably short? That's a two-part question, oh. not three-part. The antediluvians are the people who live before the flood. 
And the Bible tells us they lived to 700, 800, 900, sometimes almost to 1,000 years. In fact, the guy who lived the longest name was Methuselah. 969. Do you know what his name means? No. In the year of the flood. Oh, wow. He died in the year of the flood. Methuselah, Noah's father, grandfather. Um, Quite an amazing story, man of God. Why did they live so long? I don't know and the Bible doesn't tell us. I suspect because they were very close to the creation of the earth. The DNA of humanity hadn't been impacted by sin as much. Perhaps they were stronger. I don't know. But they lived to long, long ages. It wasn't until about three, 400 years after the flood that man's lifespans began to shorten until we got to the time of King David and God told David that a man's life would be 70 years. So if you can get 70 years out of this earth, which means, Hunter, you ain't got long to go. You've got about a year to go. Uh, if you can get 70 years, you've done well. I might look 70, but I'm only in my 50s. So, look, my answer to that one is I actually don't know, nor does anybody else, why they live so long. What was the second part of the question? Mm, okay, moved from the top again. Isn't the great ages of the antediluvians fairy tale? No, well, I don't stuff? think it is a fairy tale. I think it's true. Because if it were true, then how is it that they live such long lives and now it's so know. short? We don't know. Okay. Moving on. Do you think Satan concocts the viruses? Hey, hey, and... was there, wasn't there a second part to that question? Yeah, it's kind of a statement. What was it? Well, I'll read it to you again. No, Isn't no, the on. great ages of the antediluvians fairy tale stuff? Question okay, one. We said no. Next is a statement. If it were true... Then how is it that they live no, such long question. lives? That's not a statement. We don't know. All right. And ours so comparably short. Yeah, we don't know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You, you, you're correct. All right. Move on to the next Ripping one. through to Satan making viruses. Here we go. Do you think Satan concocts the viruses and pandemics that are afflicting the world today, or is it just random? I don't know. Maybe. Well, I reckon that God in the DNA of a lot of our bacteria and viruses actually engineered them to be on the lookout for man-made and other, think, other things that are sneaking around this planet. So I think, I think not evolution, but engineered genius into some of our bacteria. You've lost me. You've completely lost me. Oh, well. I'm totally gone. Well, so viruses, we viruses radio, and pandemics, right? Live radio, and I ain't got a clue. So well, either, either I'm in a thick, which I probably am, fog here, which I probably am, I'll acknowledge that, or have another go, what? Well, I think that, that the viruses on this planet that God put on to look after the place, that eat the dead cows and eat the dead whatever, I think they're actually have, have built into them the ability to evolve. Well, they do do that. Adapt yeah. is the word, Adapt, I suppose. exactly. So do you think... Well, you could use the word evolve. Do you think Satan is concocting the viruses and the pandemics? Possibly. I've heard of if military... Scientists, if scientists can get into a... Into a um, yeah. Into a lab... Military there, scientists some, are allegedly making them. And it's not... I don't think it's scuttlebutt that COVID came from a lab... Escaped from a lab in China. Mm. Military grade. Now that's possible. I'm not saying that's what happened, but it's more than possible. It's mm. not beyond the realms of possibility. Yeah. But does Satan concoct viruses? Why not? If we can do it, why not him? He he he's about bringing pain and misery and death to the human race. He, he'd love to do that, and he has a super mind more so than than any of the greatest scientists on earth. I I suppose, I suppose the thing that holding Satan back from doing that 
sort of thing, as fanciful as it might seem to some of our listeners, is God. Well, listeners, you have an answer. It's yes. Possibly, rather than a straight yes, because I don't know. Yeah, okay. Some of these questions take us into the realm of the supernatural, which unless the Bible is clear on it, we can't answer real conclusively. And also speculation, and without all the facts. That's Mm. right. All right, moving on. If God loves people so much, why did he let my neighbour's baby girl die of brain cancer? We hear that sort of question regularly coming through. Where was God in this? Don't we? This question comes mm. through regularly. How does a god, a good God, allow pain and suffering? It, it's yeah. Look, it, it's a hard one to answer. All I can say is we are in a great war between God and Satan. If you have a look at the Ru- Ukraine-Russian war, innocent people get caught up in it. Innocent people get hurt. They didn't ask for it. It just happens. I think somewhat that's what happens here in this war between God and Satan. We get caught up in it. We're we're part of the casualties, and that's why. Jesus come, he saw what was happening, and he said, well, I'll come down, I'll die, I'll take their sins. Even though they might get caught up, um, I can save them. Mm. I will save them. Mm. All right. Um, Let's move on. Why do Seventh-day Adventists say you have to keep the Seventh-day Sabbath to be saved? Could you hear me coughing in the background there, auntie? No, I think you had your mute button down. Oh, I don't like it when, on radio when I have one of these little coughing fits. You know, on it's, Sa- all the, it's all the on, dust in here. <laughs> on Sabbath, this last Sabbath at church, the guy who sat behind me just texted me today and said he had COVID. And he coughed on you all the time, didn't he? I don't know. Did he? Have you had a rat test? No, but I'm going to want to Actually, I shouldn't say rat test. I should say, have you had a rat? Because the word test is in the rat. Oh, okay. No, I haven't. Do you think mm. I need one? No, you look fine. Yeah, I think what's happening here is... It's the spring clean I did in this video this morning. The spring clean's got a hold of it. But you never know. I mean, I am coughing, and if I keep coughing, I'll check it. And if I've got COVID, I'll certainly give you a call, Let let me know, yeah. Yeah, I'll do that. So back to the question. Why do Seventh-day Adventists say you've got to keep Sabbath on the seventh day? Seventh-day Adventists don't say it at all. The Bible does. There you go. I like that. Go to Genesis 1, read the creation of the earth. Genesis 2, there it is. God Maybe. rested on the Sabbath, he blessed it, he sanctified it, and he made it holy. That's Genesis 2, man. You're at the beginning of the Bible. You go to check Exodus 20, where God gives the Ten Commandments, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You go to, now I don't have any notes in front of me, I actually know this story. You go to Luke 4.16, Jesus himself went to church, celebrated, and kept holy the Sabbath. You go to Acts 17.2, Acts 18, 1 to 4, right through the story of the early Christian church in Acts, you've got the early Christian church keeping the Sabbath. If you go to Matthew 24, 20, you've got a prophecy of Jesus. He's talking about the end of time. He's talking about Sabbath keeping. You got Isaiah 66, 22 and 23. You got a prophecy, uh, about, um, the new earth. And you've got Sabbath keeping. So you've got Sabbath keeping at creation. You've got Sabbath keeping at the Exodus with Moses and the Hebrews. You've got Jesus keeping the Sabbath. You've got the early church keeping the Sabbath. You've got the last day church keeping the Sabbath. Man, you've got Sabbath even going into eternity. So it's not Seventh-day Adventists. They pretty much have nothing to do except share what the Bible already says. And one of the great mysteries to me is why Protestantism, which we belong to, especially, I've said this many times, Hunter, you've heard me say it, I I don't get how Protestants don't keep the Seventh-day Sabbath. If as Protestants we are a people of the book, then you're going to be Sabbath 
keepers. There's no escape. You can go from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Wouldn't you like a dollar hunting for every oh. time I've said this? Oh. Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, you're not going to find the Sabbath changed anywhere. And why would God change the Sabbath? All the Sabbath is is a 24-hour time that starts Friday sunset, goes to Saturday sunset, 24 hours with God. It's about God. It's about being with God. It's about being blessed by God. It's about being with God without any, uh, with anything getting in the way. Yep. Does that make sense? Yep, yep, yep. So, so why does Seventh Avenue bang on about it? Because it's biblical. Well, it's biblical. And of yeah. course we're going to talk about it because not many other people are. But you don't keep the Sabbath to get to heaven. You keep the Sabbath because you're spending time with the guy who's taking you to heaven. Yep. Jesus Christ. Of course Satan attacks the Sabbath. I mean, look, Hunty, if, if we were a couple of young fellas. Yep. And we were going for the same girl. Yep. Imagine you'd that. You'd probably win because Imagine you're that. always a lot smoother than me. I've got a Jeep. <laughs> That's always a minus for you. <laughs> I'd do everything I could to keep you away from that girl. Don't you think that Satan does the same thing? Right. He's trying to keep us away from Jesus. Sabbath is about Jesus. It's not some arbitrary Old Testament rule or law that um, the Adventist church brought, brought back to Christianity. They've always been Sabbath keepers right through history. Maybe maybe we should do a Bible study on how it changed. Yeah, it'd be interesting. Mm-hmm. Come back at me in a couple of weeks. We'll have a look at that. All righty. Listeners, if we don't blame Hunty, <laughs> it's his job as the producer to write down his ideas. That's it. Move well, on. are we finished? Yeah, I, we are finished. I think it's time, it's time that we move on. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Wonderful, merciful saviour. This is a group called Sounds Rain. Sounds like rain. Hunty, yes. you've written that down, sounds rain-like. Did I do that, did I? Yeah, sounds like rain. I think I copied and pasted your song no. list. No, okay, let's check that out. <laughs> yeah, when, and while we'll, we play the song, we'll, we'll once check. We, once we play the song, we'll come back to you. Oh, okay, I, here goes. I hope it's not me. Here goes, wonderful music, merciful saviour. No, no, wonderful, merciful saviour. By the way, this group yes. I, out of the United States of America, I think they're Quakers or what are those guys that don't go around in cars? And, oh, ah, uh, yes. Um, we'll come Amish. Amish. Amish, yeah. I think these guys might be Amish. I'm oh, looking forward to well, this. they're dressed like it anyway. This is a beautiful song about Jesus and how he's merciful, how he loves. He's a beautiful, beautiful God. You give the healing and grace Hearts always hunger for, oh, hearts always hunger for.
to our program today. Welcome, Wayne. Good day, mate. Good to see you again. Yeah, you too. For some who uh, listen to our program regularly, you'll know Wayne. He comes on from time to time, works for the Media Centre. We work together, actually, in trying to take Jesus as best we can to the world. How are you going? Yeah, look, it's been a, a good week, good weekend, and um, you're ready for a, a brilliant week ahead of us. Okay. Well, I wanted to talk to you about the young man in the Bible, actually. His name was Daniel. You know who that guy is? I've heard of Daniel one or two times before. He's a good, cool, cool dude, actually. Yeah. And he's probably one of the major writers, certainly when it comes to prophecy in the Bible. I just want to ask you a few questions over the next couple of minutes. Maybe you can just whet our appetite for Bible prophecy, which is sensational, isn't it? It is. It really gives us a glimpse of to, you know, I guess into where history, where the future is going, but also a glimpse into the character of God as well. Yeah, it does. It does. That's what I like about prophecy. Not only does it show you the future, I think that's always pretty important, but it does give you these, a big, it's not just a glimpse, it's a big snapshot of who God is. Okay, let's get into it. You ready? All right, far away. Bang, 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 these questions. Number one, when was Daniel the prophet born? Do we actually even know the year? Yeah, look, we we get a a rough idea of the period. So we we gauge that he was probably um, in the um, period of the first uh, conquest of Babylon around 605. So we think he was probably around a, a teenager at that time. So dating back from there, we think he may have been born around 620, somewhere in that time. Okay. Okay. So he's this, we're talking a story now that's maybe 2,600 plus years old. Yeah. Yeah. We don't know exact date he was born, but we know more or less. Um, how long did Daniel live for? Short, medium, long life? Again, we, we get an understanding specifically through history, that he reigned through the, the Babylon period. Um, so we've got a 67-year period that we know he was alive. Add to that the time that he was born, uh, which predated that. So he may have been around that 85, 90 years old um, when, I guess, when he died. So he lived a long, long life, especially for those days when they die a lot sooner than, yeah. than, than they do today. Do we know anything about his family? We get a glimpse, and let me refer to some of the, the text here from the book of Daniel. We get a glimpse of to his, his family in um, Daniel 1, verse 3, the king instructed Aphanaz, the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel. So, again, we get a glimpse of to the um, his, his age bracket there. And some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted, in, uh, in all wisdom, possessing knowledge. So, again, that just gives us a bit of a glimpse into to who Daniel was. Probably a prince. Yeah. Of Jerusalem. Yeah. A Jew and a prince of Jerusalem. Actually, I was just as I was listening to you there, Hunty could never be part of that group. As Uh-oh. I said, good looking. <laughs> good looking. You're not getting in that group, mate. You'd be off out. I mean, Daniel's no, I couldn't. I couldn't do the Daniel diet. He's, <laughs> we'll get into that in a minute. <laughs> he's taken prisoner Daniel in Jerusalem, dragged off to to Nebuchadnezzar's Babylon. Um, he he's he's selected because he's good looking and he's a prince. <laughs> You'd be outside the wall, mate. <laughs> together. Um, 
Look, we know he comes from Jerusalem. Who attacked his home? So we get a, a glimpse again through Scripture that the Babylonians attacked uh, from verse um, 1 in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem to besiege it. So the text is very clear as to um, you know who was coming to conquer, conquer um, Jerusalem. Actually, can I do a little fast backstory there? Yeah. The people of Jerusalem were told by Isaiah and then... Ezekiel and Jeremiah and Daniel don't resist. Well, not so much Daniel, but at least three of the prophets said, don't yeah. resist Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah. Don't join a coalition against him. Guess what the Jews did? Yeah. They went and joined a coalition of Egypt against Nebuchadnezzar. They lost in the Battle of Carchemish. Nebuchadnezzar then turns his attention on Jerusalem, marches on Jerusalem. Daniel's taken prisoner. He ends up back in Babylon. Yeah. He was probably taken as a hostage, actually, wasn't he? Because he was a... Uh, he was a, a prince, so, okay. So when he gets to, when Daniel gets to Babylon from Jerusalem, what does Nebuchadnezzar do to him? You, you kind of gave us a little bit of a hint there before. Yeah, look, it, it goes through the, um, Nebuchadnezzar was looking for people who were um, proficient, smart, learned, um, or good at learning. Again, you're in trouble, you can't he? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I shouldn't ruin it. <laughs> uh, I got a yeah, put in all kinds of, of learning so that he could basically carry on um, and instruct a, a new generation in the ways of old Babylon. So he was, would it be fair to say he's basically put into the University of Babylon? Yeah. 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 Okay. Was he a good student? Well, that comes out later in the story as, as well. Um, we look through some of the, the challenges that Daniel and uh, his fellow prisoners encountered there, and we find then later in the story that um, when it came time for Nebuchadnezzar to actually test these young men, that they ended up being ten times wiser than the rest. So he was a smart chappy. We've never had that experience, have we, Hunty? It's no, never. <laughs> never called <laughs> ten times wiser. It's a good story, this, actually, it about is. how a slave boy, he's a prince, there's no doubt about that, probably well-educated in Jerusalem himself. Yeah. But he ends up in probably 15, 16 years, maybe even younger, as a slave in Babylon. He gets put into university and he just excels. Did Daniel follow God? Yeah, and this is the, I guess, the first six chapters of, of Daniel gives a glimpse into the character of Daniel. Um, it gives us a glimpse into the challenges that he's faced. And if, you know, our listeners want a, a good story to read, you know, the yeah. first six chapters of Daniel gives a glimpse into who this man was and they're great stories. Um, and as we look through these stories, we see a man who was faithful. So he was faithful. He was. He, he stuck by God and God stuck by him. And that, I think, is one of the key learnings of the book of Daniel because not only was Daniel faithful, but we see a picture of a faithful God. Okay. Um, tell us briefly about his first test of faith, because if you are going to be faithful to God, you're going to get tested. Now, I know we don't have a lot of time today, but just tell us quickly what happened. So the first test that they encountered in Daniel chapter 1 was the test of food. Mm. Um, Which struggles they, on Hunty. <laughs> so they, they go into this new environment, um, Daniel and his friends, and all of a sudden they're, they're presented with, uh, rich Babylonian food, mm -hmm. and and Daniel's looking at this, and, and I guess coming out of Jerusalem, they would have had a fairly um, yeah. strict diet as well. And so they've now um, been given food from the, the king's table, and the Bible says here that they 
with the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank, um, yeah, the king drank, these were all made available to, to Daniel and his friends. Um, but as we look through the, the story a little bit later in, in verse 8, it says, um, but Daniel purposed, or other versions will say resolved, um, not to defile himself in this way with a portion of the king's food. So so this was a test of diet. Yeah. Well, I think it was more than that. It wasn't just a, a test of diet. It was a test over their, um, the, the ways that they had been brought up, their, um, the ways that they had been instructed by God in the past, the way that they had been brought up by their parents. Um, they saw this food, and, and no doubt there would have been unclean food on the table as well. And so Daniel was saying, hang on, I, I, I'm not going to eat that sort of stuff. Well, these guys are Jews. Yeah. So pork, um, a, a lot of the um, pig meats and, and other meats that they'd be eaten were yeah. forbidden by God. <coughs> Sorry, hunty, you have to edit that out. Want to do it again? Yeah, ask the question again. Thanks, yeah. So these guys are Jews. They're forbidden by God to eat pork and a whole lot of other unclean meats. And Daniel had to make a stand. Yeah, yeah. And he made the stand. Yep. And God blessed him. And I love the word that Scripture uses here, but but Daniel purposed. You know, he was resolved, he was determined to follow God. Even in these adverse circumstances, situations that he now found himself in, this one word purposed, you know, he was intent on serving and following God. You know, it's a beautiful picture of Daniel. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, okay, and this is after this, this is when Nebuchadnezzar calls them before and tests them and the boys come out. Daniel and his friends come out, what, ten times yeah. better than the others. Um, yeah. Tell us briefly about Nebuchadnezzar's dream. This is the king that Daniel was enslaved under, and he has a dream. This is one of the most amazing stories in the Bible. Yeah, again, when we look in Daniel chapter 2, you know, just a key snapshot of world history. Um, and th- this is just reading a, a history book. So um, King Nebuchadnezzar has a dream, um, and he's very shrewd on this dream. He says to the, he calls in his, um, um, the wise men, the um, astrologers, the sorcerers, and says, hey, guys, tell me the meaning of this dream. So he, he didn't even know what he dreamt, did he? Yeah. I mean, this guy's been totally unreasonable, am I right? He has totally. a dream. He doesn't even remember what he dreamt. So he says, tell us what I dreamt. More than that, tell me what it means. And so the wise men come back and say, all right, Hound King, you tell us what the dream is and we'll tell you the meaning. But Nebuchadnezzar was a real wake-up to these guys. Yeah. Um, and it goes on for a little while. And, you know, the verse 10 of uh, chapter 2 says, the Chaldeans answered the king and said, there is not a man on earth who can tell the kings that tell the king's matter. Uh, therefore, no king, lord, no ruler has ever asked such a thing of the mag- uh, magicians, the astrologers, uh, and so forth. Uh, these guys are into the occult. These are demon worshippers. They are actually in contact with real spirits. Yeah. But this is beyond them. And, and so what does Daniel do? So then the decree goes out to, you guys can't tell me the, the dream. Nebuchadnezzar says, okay, the um, decree goes out to kill all the wise men, of which Daniel was a wise man. So they, they go out to find Daniel, and Daniel says, hang on, guys. So he's about to get executed. Yeah. 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 So leave this with me. Um, give me give me the night, and I'll, I'll bring back the interpretation. So uh, Daniel then prays to the God of heaven, Lord, what is this dream? Um, he couldn't do a Google search in those days. 
Um, well, you wouldn't know where to start because you don't know what the what the well, king. True. I mean, it was totally unreasonable what the king was totally. asking. Yeah. You know, he he wants to know uh, what did you dream? Well, man, you tell us what your dream will tell you what it meant. That's yeah. not going to happen. Yeah. They're yeah. they're getting put to death. Is that right? Yeah. These wise men had already started these occultists, these priests, these these soothsayers, necromancers. They're already starting to be put to death. They come to Daniel's place. So after a night of prayer, what happens? Verse 19 says, then, then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. And the, it's interesting, I, again, what I like here. So Daniel, the first thing he did was um, not run to the king and say, hey, I've, I've got the interpretation of your dream, and I'll get to that in a minute. Yep. But he says, um, so Daniel blessed the God of heaven. That was his first point of call, yeah. to give thanks to, to God. Um but as we go through what the vision was. Yeah, what did he do? And we're running out of, you're going to have to be really fast here. Yeah. <laughs> A radio, welcome. What <laughs> did the king actually dream? And is there anything to do with us today? Yeah, good question. So he dreamed of a, of a, of a statue, of an image. Yeah. The image was made up of different metals. And it's it's interesting when we look at the the type of metal. That's probably a different time for us to get together. But they are significant. Well, what we'll do in the next radio program, we'll get you back, and we'll okay. go through this dream. We'll oh. go through it. We'll go through it really deep. But what head of gold, chest of silver, yep, thighs of bronze, yep, legs of iron, yep, feet iron and clay, clay, and then a rock comes and hits the feet, feet, and and knocks it out. Um, and this this rock then is established into the um, you know in, into a kingdom, and so these were um, successive ki- kingdoms that would um, rule over the the earth. So and God so, was showing him the future. He was, and wow. so if we go back into to history, we can see these powers um, featuring throughout history. And so it's a again, it gives us a, a sure certain. Or certainty about what has happened and then what the Bible says will happen um, in the future. We, we, we've got to look at this really. We've got to look at this really deep next time round, Wayne, because this is good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Tell us quickly, head of gold. Who was that? So that was Babylon. And then you have the chests of silver. Yep. So Medo-Persia, successive oh. um, empire. So so Babylon first. That's the kingdom Daniel was in, followed yeah, by Medo-Persia. The Bible really makes this clear as we read through the, the prophecy of Daniel 2. You know, you, O king, are the head of gold. And so we, we're not left to doubt or to interpret, oh, it could be this, could be that. The Bible is very clear. And so we look at um, Babylon, the head of gold. We look at um, uh, Medo-Persia, the, the chest of silver. Then we go into to Greece. And That's the, a uh, bronze. And then we go into iron. Which representing the the kingdom of Rome. That's the, so that's the, that's the legs of iron. That's the kingdom of Rome. And what, about, go, what about iron and clay? Because that's the feet of iron and clay. That is interesting, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Who is that? So this is the the divided nations of of, of Western Europe, and so we see here the um, the iron and the clay never really mixing with each other. We're uh, seeing that today, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. Hey, now, now. To finish this dream off briefly, this big rock that smashes into the feet, the iron and clay, which are the nations of Europe, the world today. Yeah. Who is this great rock? So again, Daniel two verse forty four says, and in these days, the the of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom. So again, scripture is very clear on on who that that rock is and so this this stone that was cut out without human hands is this this kingdom 
that is um, set up for eternity. So this is Jesus' second coming and him setting up his kingdom. Yeah. yeah. So really what you've got is Daniel living in the time of Babylon. You correct me if I'm right or wrong here. Yeah. And God gives him a vision from his time right through to the second coming, the end of the world. Yeah. He actually tells him who the superpowers are going to be. Yep. Yep. Is that right? Yeah. Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, Rome, and then all divided up like we are today, and then Jesus comes. Yeah. So the next event is the coming of Jesus. And so in, you know, I think it's about 40-odd words, we get a glimpse, a picture of world history, which is just an amazing summary um, that we find in the Bible that outlines our humanity's journey. It is it's actually supernatural stuff, isn't it? Yeah. Hey, last question. Um, if I wanted to learn more about Daniel's prophecy, is there somewhere I could go to do that? Yeah, look, we've, we've got um, probably a couple of things on, on this one, and, and I think the easiest one will be um, you can email info at Aussie Pastor, and maybe Hunty, there could yep. be a... a or actually, you can do do one or two things. You can email us at... Yep. Or you could text us. Well, let's go email first. Yeah, info at aussiepastor.com. And when you email us, put in the word prophecy. Yep. Is that all right, Wayne? I yep. think that will work. Prophecy. Prophecy. Or, or you can just text the word prophecy to us, and you can text it to 0488 880 There you go. And those um, uh, email that will come straight to, to us here at the office. Yep. We'll send you a link. Um, we can send you a link, and you can... Um, read through, and, and this will lead you to a deeper understanding of Daniel 2 of Scripture. Um, and so you're not just taking our word for it as we share this time together, but you can read this in Scripture for yourself. Hey, Wayne, will you come back next time and we look at these prophecies, well, this one anyway, in depth? Yeah, look, sounds good. Let's let's put 30 minutes aside on the radio, next radio program, and we're going to look at Daniel chapter 2. We're going to unpack what we've we've just gone over, what really, when I sit under someone's, uh, table in their home and share this with them can take over an hour to do this and to do it properly. Yep. Yeah, this is just the, the high-level view of, of Daniel chapter 2. Yeah, we're, we're, we're flying real high. Yeah. He's an incredible guy and uh, some wonderful prophecy. Thank you, Wayne, for joining us today. Thank God you, bless you. See you next time. Thanks, okay. mate. See you. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Just a reminder to our listeners, if you want to do some more in-depth study on prophecy, either email or text us the word prophecy, yep. Hunty, to 0488880851, or email us the word prophecy, and our email address is info at aussiepastor.com, A-U-S-S-I-E-P-A-S-T-O-R, aussiepastor.com. Well, you were confusing me there. I wasn't sure what you were spelling. Uh, well, some people might not know how we spell Aussie Pasta with Zs or goodness knows. So I thought <laughs> I'd spell it out for once. Okay, and we will send you back a link to yep. a series, series of Bible studies that together with your Bible you can get into by yourself. No one else there. By yourself, and you can understand. It's good stuff, isn't it, Hunty? Absolutely. Hey. One of the pro- things prophecy tells us is at the end of time, the world will be torn apart by war. Yeah. And we are torn apart by war. We are right and now. Australia, we are Australians. If you're listening to us, this is coming out of Sydney, northwest Sydney, this program. We're born and bred Aussies. We are from the west. And often I think, Hunty, 
we can lose perspective probably because of the media on these wars and confrontations. And so it's easy for us to look at Russia at the moment with this shindig with Ukraine and think of Russia as the bad guys. But what we don't do is go past the leaders. I don't know how you feel, Hunty, but certainly the leaders of this nation don't represent me. Mm, And I don't think they represent you either. No. And the leaders of Russia don't necessarily represent the Russian people either. And I know for a fact that there are millions of Russian people who love Jesus, who serve Jesus, are as faithful as you or I and more. And because of the blood of Christ, they are our brothers and our sisters, even if in the context of the wars and battles of this age, our government, our nations and our media call them the enemy. Mm. They are brothers and sisters. If they follow the Lord Jesus Christ, they are brothers and sisters in Christ. Yep. With you and me. Yep. That's how it works. God calls people out of every kingdom, nation, creed, and tongue, including our beloved Russian brothers and sisters. I wanted to prove that today, Hunty. Yes. This is a Russian church with a Russian choir. Singing in Russian, what song? Uh, when the roll is called up yonder. You know that song, Hunty? I do, I love it. It's a good I song. I think we sing this song probably more than any other song at New Hope. Would that be right? And by the way, if you want to go to New Hope, Hunty, are we open this Sabbath? We are open this Sabbath. Now, you won't be there because you're headed to the US, but I will be there. What time do we open? 10 o'clock. And for Samuel Place, Quaker Hill, just behind the Aldi in the Life Anglican Church. How do you remember that? Uh, it's my job. Yeah, but I, I still don't know where we are. <laughs> Actually, if you Google it, some, some parts of the internet say to Samuel Place. But if you can find the Aldi, you'll see a great big church behind it, Life Anglican Church. Yeah, come. We'd love to and see we're there you. every I'm, Saturday, I'm, well, 9 o'clock. Not, you're not, but I am. I will be, you'll be in America this weekend. <laughs> hey, hey, here's the words in English because they're singing this in Russian. The reason I put it on again, I want you to see that we have brothers and sisters from every nation, kindred and tongue around the world. We have North Korean brothers and sisters. We have Iranian brothers and sisters. We have, uh, Russian brothers and sisters. They're from everywhere. True, Hunty? True. Here's the words. When the trump of the Lord shall sound and time will be no more, And the morning breaks eternal, bright and fair. When the saved of God shall gather over on the other shore and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. Here's Russian brothers and sisters, Russian brothers and sisters singing this tremendous gospel song. Сейчас, когда труба Господня над землею прозвучит, И настанет вечно светлая заря, Имена у всех спасенных в переклички повторит, Там по милости Господней буду я. На небесной перекличке, на небесной перекличке, Всех умерших во Христе Во дворе не их в обители царя С 
Всех святыкам ты кровью пролитою на кресте Созовет он и на зов ответия На небесной передвижке На небесной передвижке На небесной передвижке Там по милости Господней Wow, that's beautiful. You're going to get that turned on eventually over there, bro? Or? Oh, it's on. Uh, okay. Yeah. We were a little late. No, spot on. No, a little late. I was enjoying the song. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's my brothers and sisters from Russia and singing, singing to our God. Such a great song. And sung I'm so beautifully. Say it again. There are people coming from every race, kindred, tongue, and tribe that are part of God's family and are our brothers and sisters. Hunty, mm. we've got time for a Bible study. This is a first in a long time. I can't believe it. Actually, we'd normally squeeze it in, but we've, no, we've, got, been, our, we've got our full time today. We've been struggling lately. Yeah, true. If, if, if you're not in the car, you probably are, but if you're at home and you can get to a Bible, this is a good time to open your Bible. This is a sure. short Bible study. Pretty powerful, though, Hunty. Yeah, I'm looking forward to what you have to say here. Numbers 21, verse 4. I want you to read it straight mm-hmm. through to verse 9, Hunty. Okay. This is the story. I mean, you're, I'm where in are you the reading NLT. From? NLT. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Then the people of Israel set out from Mount Hor, taking the road to the Red Sea, to go around the land of Edom. I, just before you go any further, Hunty, mm. they're heading out of slavery in Egypt yep. to the promised land yep. in Israel. Why are they going around the land of Edom? So they don't have to fight them. Okay. God's keeping the peace. Okay. So they're not going to go through Edom, they're going to go around it. All right. So this might be 
one to three million people <laughs> headed across the desert. Remember, at night, God's got a cloud yes, over them. Uh, uh, for uh, warmth. Yeah, a fire in a the fire, sky. Yep. At, so it's a, it's, it's a cloud, but it's a cloud of fire. Yep. At, uh, in the day, he's got a cloud over them, air conditioning. Air conditioning. Yep. This is good going. Yes. They're getting led by God. What happened? He fed him as well. He did. And, and, and watered them. Yep. Gave them everything, actually. Yep. Shade, cool, heat, yep. and food. Yep. All right. But the people grew impatient with the long journey, and they began to speak against God and Moses. Yeah. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die here in the wilderness, they complained. There's nothing to eat here, there's nothing to drink, and we hate this horrible manna. Well, look, <laughs> there's nothing to eat. Well, there was something to eat, manna. There's nothing to drink. God was giving them water out of the rock. And we hate, so they've said there's nothing to eat here, Hannah. Uh, Hannah, that's my daughter. Oh man, I have some senior moments sometimes. They're saying, the Israelites are saying here, there's nothing to eat here, and yet God's giving them manna, not Hannah, he's giving them manna. Maybe they got sick of manna. Well, they probably did, but I they mean, said there's nothing to eat. Yeah, true. And then they said, and we hate this horrible manna. Well, there is, there is something to eat. Yeah, horrible just, manna. <laughs> I would have liked to have tasted that. Manna used to fall out of the sky six Days a week, and on the seventh day it never fell. So you had to pick up twice as much on Friday. Oh, there's a little lesson in that, isn't there? There is. Wasn't manna supposed to be some sort of sugar-coated bread? It was a wafer of some wafer. sort. Wafer, okay. Um, they're whinging, hunty. They are. Nothing worse than whinging believers. They've been traipsing around the desert for a while. People of God and they're whinging. Don't whinge. No matter how bad things are, don't whinge. Okay, hunty, let's All right. keep going. So the Lord sent poisonous snakes among the people, and many were bitten and died. Ah, uh, that's there's a not, bit. Of, do you like, there's a bit of karma. Do you like snakes? No. No, me either. A good snake's a dead snake. Well, you've got to be careful saying that. Of course. Australia, it's, don't you? It's, a, it's an Aussie joke. I think snakes are a protected species. Totally. You can correct me. No, they're protected. So when we <laughs> see a snake on the farm, we just pick him up gently and relocate him relocate to a new home. Him. That's yes. what we do. I can almost hear the listeners laughing, Lloyd. Not. <laughs> I said not. Not. <laughs> Moving on. Then the people came to Moses and cried out, We have sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take away the snakes. So Moses prayed for the people. Then the Lord told him, Make a replica of a poisonous snake and attach it to a pole. All who are bitten will live if they simply look at it. So Moses made a snake out of bronze and attached it to a pole. Then anyone who was bitten by a snake could look at the bronze snake and be healed. Okay, verse 6, read that again. Verse 6, okay, rewind. So the Lord sent poisonous snakes among the people and many were bitten and died. So they're complaining, they're whinging, the Lord. Do you feel uncomfortable about that? If the Lord sends snakes. <laughs> poisonous snakes among the people. Is that the sort of God you serve? How well, would you, if someone says, what sort of God is that that would do that? Well, well hang on a minute. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forwards and backwards on this text. Yes, God sent the snakes, but the people were being dis, little, Bad children. So you send snakes. Well, he wanted to wake them up. When my, so when my sons and daughters are whinging next time at home, which they can do at times, <laughs> it would be okay. And if you brown snakes. Would it be okay for me to bring that sort of discipline into the home? Well, I personally wouldn't. Well, this is a loving God. What's going on here? Well, but if you read further, he, he's, he's sent the snakes, but he's also sent the get-out-of-jail card. Okay. Um 
Here's, here's a pole. Look at it and you won't die. Apparently these snakes, these poisonous snakes, are everywhere in that desert to this day. Wow. And what was happening was it was God that was protecting the people. They started to whinge and God withdrew his protection. Ah. What happened then was a natural event. The snakes okay. came into the camp. Okay. Um, the Hebrew writers think differently and put things down differently than we do in our Western minds. So when they say God sent the snakes, it's in a sense they're saying God withdrew his protection. Right. He no longer, they did no longer want him. They were abusing him. They pushed him away. That horrible manner, nothing to And so drink. he went away. And when you send God away and you don't have his protection, then bad things can, don't always, but can happen to you. Got it. So these snakes come into the camp and they begin to bite people and they begin to die. This is a real story, but it's also very powerfully illustrating to us what happens with sin. Sin separates us from God. God. The moment we get separated from God, we begin to die. And we're not just talking about an earthly death. It's an eternal death. You're with, with me, hunty? I this? am with you. It's an eternal death that happens. If you don't have Jesus in your life, then you're right now dying the eternal death. So then, what does Moses do? He prays for them. And what did God say to do? I find this amazing. Yeah, me too. Love it. What he did said, make a replica of a poisonous snake and attach it to a pole. Now, if you go to Revelation chapter 12 in the Bible, yep. the Bible clearly defines Satan as a, a snake. Serpent. Yeah, serpent. Yeah. So God says, make a snake, which usually represents... Satan in Scripture, yep. put it up on a pole, and when these people are bitten by a snake, then these snakes were killing them, look up at the snake on the pole, and there'll be a miracle and you shall live. Wow. How does that work? A snake, which represents Satan, up on a pole. You sin, look at Satan, you're saved. Does that make sense to you at all, Hunty? Absolutely not. Can I was you, thinking of doctors using the symbolism of a snake as well. They actually get it from here. Okay. From this story. That's where that comes from. This is what, this is, that's where that symbol comes from. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. So help me out. Why on earth would God put a snake on a pole, put Satan on a pole, and basically tell him to worship Satan? We used this scripture the other day in a radio pre- program a few weeks ago. See if this... See if this put, and I wonder if our listeners, I wish we could talk to them like we do at church, you know. Yep. <laughs> um, face to face. I wish I could talk to your listeners and find out whether you get this. Second Corinthians 521. I want to yep. see if a bell goes off in your heart, in your mind when you read this, Auntie. It may or may not. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God. Through Christ. New King James Version says, For God made Christ who never sinned to be sin for us. Us, yep. Anything happen there in your head? Nope. He made Christ to be what? Sin. Who's the author of sin? Satan. What's Satan represented by? Snake. God made Jesus to be sin. Not to be Satan, but to be... Oh, here we go. Ding. Jesus didn't just take our sins. Jesus became our sins. So, so the snake represents Jesus on the pole? In this story, yes. Oh, Jesus, wow. who takes our sin and just doesn't bear our sin, 
becomes a sin. Do you get that? Got it. Does that make sense? Yep. So when they look up at the pole, they're actually looking at the sin bearer. Okay. Jesus Christ. And they live. Right. Does that make sense? That's fantastic. John 12.32 backs up what I'm saying here. Yep. This is Jesus himself talking, and he's talking in the language of this story in Numbers chapter 21. Read it for me, mate. Can you, can you find yep, it there? Yep. And when I'm lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to myself. He said this to indicate how he was going to die. So Jesus took our sin, our, your sin and my sin, hunty. Yep. He took the sins of the world. Now get this. Whether you ask him to or not, Jesus takes your sin and he takes it to the cross. He becomes the snake. He becomes sin itself and he pays the death price on the cross for our sins. Yep. The wages of sin is death. You sin, you death. All of sin falls short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. Yep. This is such powerful stuff. Jesus takes our sin, pays the death price. So your sins are already paid for. Nice. My sins are already paid for. Jesus stands there offering his sacrifice for your sins. Yep. But you've got to take it. Yep. It's a gift. Here, hunty, mm. I've paid for your sins. Take it, man. Yep. Take my payment and live. Grace. Yeah. And in that sense, Jesus became sin, was the snake, and paid the price. This is a powerful story mm. in the really the beginnings of the Bible where Jesus is already illustrating to us, I think mostly, but to these people back then that Jesus saves and he saves us from our sin, from the consequences from the sin, of the sin, from the penalty of the sin, and he actually takes us out of the sin. I think we'll look at that next week. He saves us from our sin. That's what he's doing today. Then, hunty, he takes us out of our sin. Yep, beautiful. You know, when I look at these little Bible studies we do, I can't help but long for heaven. Mm -hmm. I want to see Jesus. Me too. I want to see the one who saved me. Yep. I want to be with him. Sometimes, hunty, I just feel homesick for heaven. And this song by the Redeemer Quartet is about this beautiful message. There's a light in the window, the table spread in splendor, someone standing by the open door. I can see a crystal river, and I must be near forever, Lord, I've never been this homesick before.
can see the family gathered, sweet faces all familiar. No one's old or feeble anymore. This old lonesome heart is crying. Think I'll spread my wings, start flying. Lord, I've never been this homesick. when you know about Jesus, yep. when you've come to the realisation that Jesus saved you, that he became your sin and went to the cross and died for your sin, yep. you do want to be with him. You do want to meet him and you want to spend eternity with him. Yep. I think about that every single day. Mm. Now, I'm always trying to offer our listeners more chance for more Bible yes. studies. If you want to know more about what we talked about in that Bible study, Numbers 21, about how Jesus saves you, about what sin does to you and how Jesus gets rid of it, I want you to either email or text me the word snake. Snake. Mm. That's pretty easy. Zero four double eight double eight zero eight five one, or you can email us info at aussiepastor.com. And if you do that, you know what I'll do, Hunty? What's that? I'll send you back a link. These are always different Bible study series Correct. I send people to. Correct. I'm trying to send you to Bible studies that will bless you, that will help you with the subject at hand. And this one's about sin, how Jesus deals with it, how he got rid of it, and how you get to heaven. Nice. So one more time, email, text the word snake to info at aussiepastor.com or text us on zero four double eight. Double eight zero eight five one. Dear Lord, thank you for being with us today. Bless us now as we go our way. Help us never to forget that you are the Saviour and that we are saved because you got up on a cross with our sins. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much for that. We pray in your name. Amen. Amen. My name's Lloyd Grolleman. I'm My a pastor. <laughs> this, we still haven't got this right. We don't. You go first. Okay. Um, my name's Hunty. And I'm the tech guy. And I'm the tech guy. My name's Lloyd Grollin, I'm Aussie Pastor, and I love you. And do you love him? I love you too. But Jesus, Jesus loves, loves you so, so much more. more. See you next time. See ya. Thanks for joining the Aussie Pastor. 
If you enjoyed today's program and would like to find out more about Jesus, our ministry, or ways to support us, go to findjesus.tv. 